0: A massive echo in my headset. If we can fix that on the board, that would be greatly helpful. Thank you. Uh, there it is. Perfect. Uh, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 13th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2019, is the president going to sign the deal? It's starting to look like it, isn't it? Uh, it's starting to look like the president who said yesterday, I do not like it. I am not thrilled by it but I'm going to have to do what I have to do, and I'm going to get the built wall built. It sounds like the president has a backup plan. It sounds like he has a contingency plan. It sounds like he has what I described yesterday as a long game, that, yes, he may be forced to sign what is a not popular bill with conservatives, with believers in border security, with uh, those who demand the president live up to, follow up on his campaign promise about getting that border wall built. It's not popular with a lot of us. But the president says he may have to sign this to get 55 miles, a measly pittance of border wall built with 1.3, roughly $1.3 billion, because, he says, uh, we are going to do some other things above and beyond that. Is he going to declare an emergency? Is he going to use executive order? We don't know. But this is where the the uh, border, border wall deal, uh, which they are in the process of finalizing and could vote on as early as today or tomorrow. To avoid the Friday shutdown, here are some reactions as to where we are right now.
1: Texas Republican Congressman Louie Gohmert told Fox News Democrats are admitting barriers are necessary, and he's urging the president to accept the agreement.
2: And then come back and declare an emergency and start using the billions of dollars that would be available.
1: As for moving money, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says...
2: He doesn't have
3: the authority to do it without House uh, permission.
1: The deal would fund the government through September and includes nearly $1.4 billion for 55 miles of fencing, far less than the president wanted.
0: And, of course, in addition to being far less than the president wanted, the other big deal there is the number of beds. The number of beds uh, to detain people who come into this country illegally or asylum seekers who claim that they are here for some re- uh, religious or political persecution, and there has to be a hearing to determine that. And, of course, they have to be detained because once they are let loose into the United States, they disappear, and we never get them back. And so the number of beds is a big deal. Now, Louis Gohmert uh, went on a bit of a rant on this on Fox News. I want to share a little bit more of what he had to say, including the most important line, "It's it's moral. The one thing that this deal does, as he encourages the president to sign it, is it proves that the Democrats are liars. They do not consider border barriers or walls immoral. This was just a talking point so that they could obstruct the president and try to stop the president from achieving his planned goal and his promised goal. That's what this was all about.
2: Even a billion, it was supposed to have been 25, then 5, and now we're talking 1.6, and now it's 1.3. But you It is what it is. It's an admission. Walls are moral, and it's not
0: just the gated communities that Democratic leaders live in. This is what I said, and I'm so glad to hear uh, Congressman Gohmert say this, because on Monday's program, if you recall, I talked about this, where it sounds like they have a deal in place here, and it's a terrible deal. I told Jim Jordan I thought it was a terrible deal. I told Peter Kirsten I thought it was a terrible deal. However, I said it might be that the Republicans, who are being badly out-negotiated by the Democrats here, have something else in mind. It might just be that once we get them on the record saying, we'll fund some border wall, some border barrier, border fence, whatever you want to call it, once we agree, they agree to fund a mile of it, let alone 55 miles, they can no longer play the border walls are immoral card. They can't play the, this isn't, um, who we are. This isn't what we are. This isn't just for us and so on and so forth. They can't claim that. And that's exactly what Louis Gomer just pointed out. How can Nancy Pelosi go back to the people when President Trump says, okay, now we need another 1.6 or 1.3 billion for 55 more miles? They can't say, no, that's immoral. Will you just greenlit money for something you decided was immoral? He 's got him over a barrel now that 's the one part that Louis Gomer and I think struck uh, st- uh, struck on yesterday that I hope people are paying attention to. It is very important to understand that they the the left 's biggest card here that they were playing the morality card that Speaker Pelosi tried to uh, uh, to make the centerpiece of her uh, her disagreement her opposition to this has now been taken off the table. If they fund one mile, then there is no problem funding hundreds of miles. There is no problem funding thousands of miles. And I know we don't really need all 2,000 miles of border uh, uh, protected by walls because of some of the natural barriers that prevent crossing. But the point remains, whatever number that we do need, whatever hundred uh, number of hundreds of miles that we do need, they can no longer say, no, we disagree with that because it's immoral. More from uh, Representative Gomer. Republican members want... To... Sorry, that's not Representative Gomert, This is Representative Gomer.
2: We're not in the majority. And I think, and I was telling back in September, look, guys, you want to keep the majority? Let's get some wall funding in there now and get it passed before the election and... Um, That was met with uh, crickets. Yeah, But we didn't get it done, and now we're faced with Nancy
0: Pelosi as Speaker. That's exactly why we screamed for two solid years, do not delay. Get this. We said the same thing about Obamacare. You know, the president during his his promises, uh, you know, in his campaign promises, said, uh, it'll be easy. Uh, We'll get rid of Obamacare and replace it. No problem. It'll be easy to do. And we're going to get this border wall built, and Mexico's going to pay for it. Nothing easier. I build for a living. I've been building much better better, and bigger structures than a border wall. This is no problem. And we said, okay, we'll take you at your word on this, but you can't squander the first two years. Because once you get Democrat obstinance in a position of power, um, all bets are off. And, of course, here we sit. Yes, the Obamacare individual mandate has been lifted, but Obamacare remains. We still do not have a free market society when it comes to competing for uh, uh, um, your dollars and your business as patients from the health insurance companies. We still have government-run, in a large part, uh, uh, health insurance with Obamacare. And right, we still do not have our border wall built. And now we do have the obstinate. So Louie Gohmert was right. Many of us were screaming it. Many of us were begging our representatives to stop kicking the can down the road. How many times in two years, my friends... How many times did I have Congressman Jordan or Congressman Renacy on the air talking about a bill to fund the government, spending bills or budgets that did not fund the border wall and that did fund Planned Parenthood? And how many times did I stop and scream? Maybe not really scream, but I did. I had some strong conversations with, uh, with our representatives. I feel like it's our job. It's our job as citizens and constituents, and I feel like because I have the power of a microphone and a transmitter, it's my job to speak directly to these people and to say, how can you possibly vote for this? Now, uh, I'm not saying that the two of them voted yes every single time to these, but enough representatives voted yes to kick the can down the road. Well, we'll deal with the border funding next time. We can't shut down the government. We have to get this thing going. Okay, well, it's here again. Uh, here's another bill. Doesn't fund the border wall. But we have to pass it, otherwise the government will shut down and uh, we'll deal with it the next time. Pretty soon, next time, next time, next time comes and we're at the end of two years of President Trump and we're at the midterm elections and we are at the mercy of the left. And that's where we found ourselves. I implored our Democrat, or excuse me, our Republican leaders to not let the Democrats dictate the terms of the negotiations while the Republicans were in party or power. You can't. You just can't let them, you know, stall, play this stalling tactic or these games, and then just, you know, run out the clock until they take over. And that's exactly what they did. I declared to some of our representatives that I'm no longer a member of the Republican Party. I'm a conservative. I'm a principled conservative who is now partyless because the Republican Party was absolutely not representing me. That's what I said on several occasions. I said, if you guys keep doing this, you're going to end up in a world of hurt. And sure enough, that's where we sit right now, as Louie Gohmert just pointed out. Here's more from the representative from Texas.
2: It's a big deal that El Chapo had billions of dollars. And Ted Cruz and, uh, had the bill in the Senate. Mo Brooks running with it. A bunch of us co-sponsoring in the House to say, look, any money that's forfeited from uh, drug smuggling, drug kingpins, let's use that to build the wall.
0: Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, also from Texas. How about that? Texas leading the way here in a number of ways. Ted Cruz reiterated his call. Now that El Chapo has been found guilty on every charge, and I'm sure you followed that part of the news yesterday. El Chapo, the, uh, one of the most, uh, uh, uh I'm looking for words to describe who he is and what he is to uh, the drug running in this country. One of the most vicious, ruthless uh, drug leaders uh, and uh, gang leaders that you've ever even imagined. And uh, El Chapo was found guilty yesterday. He is now being sent to what is called the Alcatraz of the Rockies, the nation's only supermax prison, because he is notorious for having tunneled out of and found ways out of his previous um, uh, prisons. Uh, but he's going to the uh, the uh, Rockies in Colorado, the only Supermax. And as he is sent to prison yesterday, Senator Ted Cruz called again, rightly so, in my opinion, for the El Chapo Act to be passed. How can we not? I, I'm I'm looking for a Republican or a Democrat who can oppose this idea, truthfully. And, and the Ted Cruz El Chapo Act is, obviously, to take the $14 billion that he is reportedly worth, talking about El Chapo, the notorious criminal, take his $14 billion of illegally gotten drug money and use it to build the wall to stop more drugs from coming in to the United States. Senator Cruz last night uh, it threw it out there again saying the, the money that Joaquin Guzman generated through his criminal activities would be enough to build our wall. And he's a hundred percent right. There's even a petition that he has circulated and that I'm going to circulate as well on my social media pages. Follow me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio on Twitter and on Facebook. And I will, uh, send you a link or a tweet or a Facebook copy of a link to that, uh, to that petition to get millions of American citizens to say, look, Let's solve the problem. Nancy Pelosi, this is not going to take American dollars. By the way, President Trump said eventually Mexico would pay for the wall. This is a good way to do it, to take this criminal operating out of Mexico and flooding our country with drugs and take all of the money that he generated and pay for the wall. So in an an indirect way, it would be exactly that. Build the wall, make El Chapo pay for it become a citizen co-sponsor of Ted Cruz's El Chapo Act and make your voice heard in the Senate. And there's a petition that I will send out. So I've got a couple of things uh, I want to ask you about. And we've got a couple of good guests who are coming up as well. But uh, if you would like to join us at 216 ask, answer. 925 now, the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420. The answer, I told you I had a couple of good guests, uh, especially... My first guest, who's coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, Eric Erickson. You may or may not know the name. You should. He's a prominent conservative pundit. He's a radio host. Uh, He's a columnist. uh, And um, he is a never-Trumper, or at least he was. Eric Erickson, who writes for RedState.com, among many other publications, um, was one of the prominent conservatives who joined the Never Trump team in the primary season of 2016. He said there's no way that he could support President Trump, even if he are then candidate Trump, even if he became the nominee. He joined a lot of the figures for National Review and other prominent uh conservatives who said no, uh this is not the kind of conservatism I believe in and want to practice. I do not believe Donald Trump is right for the job, he doesn't have the right this, that, or the other thing. And he has been a never Trumper for two years of the Trump campaign, a never Trumper. Until now. Eric just wrote a piece. Uh, on his website uh, on Monday, saying he has gone from hashtag Never Trump to Trump twenty twenty, and he is volunteering to help the campaign in any way he can. What changed his mind? And is he uh, symptomatic of others? Is he going to be? Uh, is he indicative of others who were Never Trumpers before? Are they going to get on board now? I. I personally believe that absolutely the president is going to have far, far more support from conservative-minded people, including those who do not like him, than ever before, because the Democrats are forcing it. When they advance people like Warren, Booker, Harris, and the message, Gillibrand, Klobuchar, and the message that these lunatics are all signing on to, such as the Green New Deal... When that's the kind of policy that they are expressing support for, it is scaring the bejesus out of people, including conservatives who were never Trumpers, who are saying, I'm a Trumper now. I'm a pro-Trumper now, as we should all be. Of course, it didn't take all of that for some of us. I was not a supporter of President Trump's in the primary season, either, three years ago, three summers ago. Obviously, I was a Ted Cruz guy. We've been through this and covered this ground very thoroughly. But once he became the nominee, and it was a choice between the lunacy of Hillary Clinton and President Donald Trump, of course, we all fought very hard to get Donald Trump elected. And now... We are glad that we did, because two years of tremendous success and advancements and accomplishments later, uh, this is exactly what it was supposed to look like, and it's even got never-Trumpers like Eric Erickson turned around. So he'll join us coming up after the news. Joanne in Twinsburg joins us right now, though, on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Joanne, go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, a lot of, you know, we're talking about the reasons why they didn't do this when they had control. A lot of it was Paul Ryan, but I'm sorry, I do have to blame the non-existent Dave Joyce, Um, even Jordan, Jim Renese, you know, I mean, nobody, you know, everything Ryan did seemed counter to what Trump wanted to do. They all thought he was going to get impeached and he wasn't going to be there and he was irrelevant. I mean, that's basically what happened. But once Ryan decided to get out, they should have pushed him out. Because for the next year and a half, nothing got done. I
0: mean, as
1: far as I'm concerned, like when Ryan came out with the health care thing and had it all set up, this is what we're going to do, and it was like a done deal, and Trump said, whoa, Ryan didn't like that. You know, he thought he was going to call the shots and Trump was just going to go along, and and that didn't happen. And then Ryan fell off the rails, and nobody pushed him out once he said he was leaving. He should have been gone a year and a half ago.
0: Well, the thing is, Joanne, it doesn't matter. I mean, even, even when he finally did go, uh, what did they do? They, they, oh. they, they appointed, they appointed Ryan 2.0 in Kevin McCarthy as the, as yeah. the, as the minority leader. Yeah. So and they absolutely. still haven't learned their lesson. But, no. but I wouldn't, but I wouldn't point to all, uh, House Republicans for things like this. You mentioned Jordan. Jordan was the one who was doing all of the pushing. Jordan was oh. the one who publicly condemned and criticized Ryan for not bringing these, uh, and whipping up the votes to get these things done. And then, of course, he was the one who ran against McCarthy to stop us from having Ryan 2.0. Oh. So there's, there is a push, but they there's they were- just not enough, cool enough of them.
1: and they were united enough to say to ryan go let us get on with it even if it was going to be McCarthy
0: well they're outnumbered they're they're outnumbered by the Rhino swamped dwelling type of Republicans uh the conservative ones are I mean that's you know look at the numbers there's only about 40 members for example of the uh, freedom caucus there's about 40 members and there are obviously uh, significantly two to three times more of the than that of, uh, of of Rhino Republicans quite honestly and that's the problem and the rhinos are always going to outnumber and they're always going to outvote so therefore here we go not only do we have Ryan we have uh, Ryan two and McCarthy, and I'm not trying not to bash McCarthy too much yet, but he is the minority leader, and he was pretty much in lockstep now with then-Speaker Paul Ryan, so they still haven't learned their lesson. All right, uh, Eric Erickson learned his lesson. He's no longer a Never-Trumper, and he's proudly admitting that he is volunteering his services for the Trump campaign in 2020, and he'll join us next to explain why, right here on AM 1420. Attention, social justice warriors. You're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended? This isn't it. This is the Bob Frat Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. It is all of the above. Thanks for joining us. 935 on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll get to your phone calls at 216-901-0945 shortly. You can also dial 888-281-1110. All right, I kind of told you the backstory, so I want to dive right into this with Eric Erickson. Eric is a writer for the website he runs called The Resurgent. He is a fellow radio talk show host. He is one of the most prominent conservative pundits, quite frankly, working in America today. And moreover, he was a never-Trumper in the summer of 2016. He joined a long chorus of uh, conservatives in the this country a lot of them were with national review in saying i would never support president trump well this is a bombshell two days ago he wrote a piece for the resurgent headlined i will be voting for president trump and vice president pence in 2020 the question is why what changed eric erickson thanks for coming on in cleveland how are you yeah i'm great thanks for having me all right, so I am so excited. I was really shocked, quite frankly, to to see your column on The Resurgent uh, on Monday, in which uh, I think it was Sunday I actually saw, it, uh, in which you said uh, uh, you are not only going to vote for President Trump and Vice President Pence this time around. Eric, you have so changed your mind or had a change of heart, you're offering your services to the Trump-Pence campaign. So let's just dive in. Why?
3: Well, Wednesday. President Trump is no longer a hypothetical. You you know, in in 2016, one of my biggest complaints is is still the complaint that I have, uh, character. And I voted third party because I didn't think either party is serving the country well, nor did I think the character of either of the major party candidates was worth supporting. And, you know, frankly, the majority of Americans disagree. So I planted my flag on character counts, and a lot of other people said, you know what, There, there are other issues. So my options are... Uh, just stay away from politics or try to get engaged. And I chose engagement. And between engagement, it's go third party, go Republican, or go Democrat. Well, I tried third party last time, but I'm not voting Democrat. So I would rather help the Republicans. And frankly, when you look at President Trump's agenda that he actually has implemented, while I have serious reservations about some of it, the uh, tax cuts are good, the judges are good, the executive appointments are good, the regulatory rollback is good. The, the Paris Accord wall back is good. The Iran deal wall back is good. His Venezuela handling is great. Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, uh, the presidents are in my vote at this point. And when you look at the alternatives out there, uh, the Democrats are now openly in favor of infanticide. They are openly in favor of shutting down uh, Christian small businesses. They're openly in favor of taking away the uh, charitable tax credit, to faith-based organizations. They're openly in favor of setting down faith-based adoption agencies. Uh, they have they've swung way further west than they were in 2016. And not only are open about it now, we're championing these clauses. So it, that leaves me no choice. The, the president hasn't been as terrible as I expect him to be. I've still got the character reservations. But let's not look at this and say, oh, the president's character is bad. Look at him on Twitter and, and then think that the Democrats somehow have superior character because they're killing kids with a smile on their
0: face eric erickson is my guest he is the uh proprietor of the resurgent website theresurgent.com and uh, we're talking about uh why he went from never trump to being pro-trump and pence in 2020 you, you ran down a really really great list there and i wish i was uh, able to write all of that down i'll have to go back and listen to him and do it talking about all of the president's accomplishments and he has earned your vote um and he's and he's earned mine he i, I he had it the first time around i'm with you by the way on character one of the biggest problems I had with the president was character and was the presidential uh, demeanor, I suppose, that I was looking for. Some of those things bothered me, but not enough to make me turn away from, from him and thus giving an opportunity to Hillary Clinton. But I'm still with you on character, but that list of accomplishments, again, I'm, I didn't elect a Boy Scout or an altar boy. I elected somebody to do a certain specific set of things, and he has done that. So, Eric, my question to you is, do you think others who were never Trump uh, are seeing the light in the same way that you are. I know not all of them, even at your website, are. As I look at Mary Soltis's, uh piece, she says why I'm still never Trump. But, but do you think that uh, some who were so uh, strongly against President Trump are going to come around and say, you know what, it's all about accomplishments, not about character? I,
3: I do think so. And, and even those who say that, that there, there's still reservations about character, when, when I've engaged with them, i said, look, this is, I, I'm a Christian evangelical, and I actually believe this stuff. I think character matters, and I understand the, the desire of some to say, you know what, I'll, I'll talk both their houses. And I'm not burying myself. And the way I look at this is I did that in 2016 myself, and I, I'm, I'm willing to defend that position. I would do it all over again based on what we had at the time, including a lot of hypotheticals on the president. But at this point, we have a lot of norms about the president we didn't have in 2016. Yes, we still have character issues, but all of these people say there's been a lot of good done. And you're not going to get the Trump administration without President Trump. So you'll get the Kamala Harris administration. You'll get the Elizabeth Warren administration. You're not going to get conservative judges or policies or anything. And for the people who say are screaming at me right now, saying, "Well, that was the same way in 2016." Yeah, but in 2016, the president was also out there saying Planned Parenthood actually did good things, and maybe we should tax the wealthy. And in addition to all the character issues. We now know in his governance he has been willing to listen to conservative voices. And as much as he has his character flaws, what it all comes back to again is that a lot of people are looking at the Democrats saying, well, they don't behave like he behaves. Well, they behave badly in other ways, in, in ways that actually sacrifice people's lives, in ways that sacrifice kids' lives, in ways that shut down Christian businesses. And the president doesn't behave in those ways.
0: That is such a very important point. That, you know, it, as, as much as it is a pro-Trump Pence vote, I'm hoping that people realize that uh, you know taking a Trump Pence vote away is voting for infanticide. It is voting for uh, uh, all of the different life threatening things that you talk about with the Democrats, and and quite frankly, culture and societal changers. As you look at the Green New Deal, Uh, and if you you listen to what some of you know, it's one thing for a, a 29 year old bartender to come in with her you know fifth grade essay and say this is what I want to do to change the world, like Cortez did, but it's another thing for experienced politicians, members of the Senate, and almost every declared Democrat candidate to sign on and say, yes, count me in for that sort of thing. Those are the things that I would imagine are going to turn, and I hope turn people who are anti-Trump or were questionable about Trump because of character or any other reasons, they're going to say, I've got no choice here, but I've got to roll with the President against this lunacy. Well,
3: yes, and, and you know, for a lot of my friends who are still saying, man, you're out of it, Democrat, him, he's just, he's his he, he's older, he, he's a bad character, What they're really saying, I've I've come to the conclusion, is that it's not his character that's the problem with them. It's it's his demeanor. His demeanor strikes them as something underfitting a president, so they're perfectly happy to have someone with a smile who will gut Christian institutions and then literally gut children and shut down school choice and send us back into the Paris Accord and uh, sever our relationship with Saudi Arabia in favor of Iran. Uh, it's the demeanor that hangs on. But you know, I've got that, too. He's not someone I want my kids to emulate. And I've got a concern with some of his supporters who feel like they can behave like the president. President Trump alone is President Trump. I don't think other people should behave like him. But ultimately, it does come down to now he's no longer a hypothetical. In 2016, he really was. He's not now. We can judge him. And as many things about him that I dislike, his policies overall, they're really good.
0: Eric, a couple other quick ones. First of all, what reactions have you gotten other than the one that I read as a counterpoint to yours by your uh, colleague there at the Resurgent who said uh, she's disappointed in you and that she is going to stand fast uh, on her views of President Trump and she is not going to support? Uh, beyond that, outside of maybe published uh, articles, what kind of response and reception are you getting for your change I've gotten in of
3: Christian evangelicals have, have written expressing disappointment that they appreciated me and standing in solidarity saying this matters and they feel like they've been abandoned. And I understand that criticism. I do. Uh, what I find most in, in hilarious though are the progressive responses of, oh, well, I thought you were a reasonable conservative. Clearly you're a racist too. Uh, that you that can't, progressives have it in their mind that the only reasonable conservatives out there are the ones who oppose Donald Trump. And if you do support Donald Trump, you're a racist. And I think that actually is very revealing of where they're headed in 2020 and why I would not discount the president's election in 2020 when they're that uh, showing that much bigotry toward people who disagree with them on politics.
0: Eric Erickson is my guest. Eric uh, uh, owns and runs the uh, Resurgent website. He's also a, a radio talk show host on in Atlanta, and he is uh, one of the best pundits working in America. He is now pro-Trump after being a never-Trumper. Eric, I I find that what we're seeing headed toward this cycle is the same thing that we saw that led to the shock of all shocks on election night. There are a lot of people who don't want to be called what you just said. You're getting called another. Oh, you support Trump. You're a racist. Um, people are people are just keeping their support for him very very quiet. They're a little bit embarrassed. They're a little bit afraid of being attacked and called racist and other terrible things for their support. But then suddenly come election night, boom! Here they come, and nobody saw it coming.
3: Yeah, you know I, I do think Republicans need to be concerned with suburban voters. Looking at at twenty eighteen, many of these suburban Republican areas had turn out almost as high as presidential elections as they would do the Democrats. I I, I do think the president needs to be mindful of this, as do the Republicans. Uh, But at the same time, I also think that there is a concerted effort by Democrats to try to drive alternative positions out of the town square, so to speak, so that no one hears that anyone supports the president. And and frankly, I think that's why so many progressives are very angry with me, because the narrative has been, that everybody is fleeing the president. Suddenly, this guy who was honestly never Trump comes along and says, I'm, "I'm with the president now." And well, got to shut me up because I don't want anybody else to hear that.
0: Eric, uh, let me just get a couple of quick policy uh, thoughts from you on what's going on right now. We all heard the deal. Uh, It's going to be 1.3 billion for 55 miles and they get to reduce by uh, some 11,500 the number of beds used to detain illegals and uh, asylum seekers who are awaiting their hearings, turning them loose, you know, returning to the catch and release policies of the Obama era and putting these people in the uh, population never to be seen or heard from again. Uh, Do you think the president should sign this deal on Friday and or by Friday? And do you think he will then follow that up with the uh, declaration of emergency and uh, use other funds to expand the project?
3: Well, whether he should or or shouldn't, uh, my sense from talking to folks in the White House is that he's going to. And and they feel boxed in. Uh, The Republicans did not do a very good job of putting points on the board in the shutdown nationwide. Uh, What I find remarkable is that 72% of Americans who heard the State of the Union address agree with the president on the issue of illegal immigration and how to secure the border and yet neither the white house political team nor the congressional republican political team has been barnstorming the nation on this issue and i I think they missed an opportunity and as a result they're kind of boxed in on this so yeah i think the president's going to sign this and then he may do it in emergency declaration which honestly i think it's enough nothing. a federal judge will issue an injunction and then that's it he'll he'll get what he got in the in the spending resolution
0: (laughs) Does he need to declare an emergency in your opinion to in order to just start building this with Pentagon funds and with the Army Corps of Engineers? Because the undersecretary uh of uh of the Pentagon uh uh what's his name for goodness sakes? Um uh now I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he he was uh John Ru John under of defense for policy. John Rood said that the president doesn't need to declare an emergency. He can just build this wall if he wants to. That uh, Pentagon, uh, the powers uh, that he has uh, in control of the Pentagon as commander-in-chief, if he declares it to be a national threat, he can do this without any authority whatsoever from uh, from the uh, House of Representatives who run the purse strings because the dollars are there in the Pentagon. He says he doesn't need to declare an emergency and thus no challenge by the uh, 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 in the courts.
3: Well, there are a couple of issues here. One, I think if the president uses an emergency declaration to do what Congress otherwise hasn't done, it's a really dangerous precedent, because I can see a future Democrat signing by a Republican Senate on global warming suddenly say, ah, oh, it's a national emergency, now. I'm going to shut down all the coal power plants. Uh, thank you, President Trump, for the, the precedent. Uh, and i got a real problem with president doing, by an executive action, what he hasn't been able to get Congress to do. But the larger issue is... There's actually a really clear Supreme Court precedent going back to before the Civil War that the president cannot impose the military on private land uh, to use in domain power. And the problem is that uh, where the president wants to build the wall is privately land in Texas. And so he can't use his commander-in-chief military power to exercise uh, land condemnation. Uh, And that, again, that goes all the way back to the 1840s with the Supreme Court. So on public land, and there is public land through Arizona and New Mexico where the president could build the wall without declaring an emergency, but on private land, even declaring an emergency, he couldn't do it, and that's the land where the president wants the wall to be built.
0: Last thing on the wall, and we'll let you run here, Eric Erickson. I really appreciate you coming on to explain your change of position and heart on the president and uh, this particular election cycle that's about to begin. Um, where do you stand on Ted Cruz's idea the El Chapo Act?
3: Uh, listen, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, kudos to Ted Cruz for talking about this. Uh, take the, the drug lord's money and build the wall to stop the drug lord from making a profit. I think it's a great idea. Uh, we know in Texas that when the border wall was built, uh, illegal drug running across the border declined in those areas. So use that money.
0: Yeah, I and, and I, I I'm looking for a downside. I'm looking for a reason Democrats could oppose this. Can you think of anything that you know that you know? You always try to try to play chess here, and what's their next move? If we say let's take 14 billion dollars that El Chapo had, drug revenues, by the way, and use it to stop more drugs from coming into this country by building this wall. What's what's the opposition say? I cannot imagine that there's something you can say oh, that's a bad idea.
3: Well, I mean, the climate change impact of building this wall, you know, it would just it would never be industrial heavy equipment down there and it could drive up the emissions. <laughs> very well played. Very, you
0: know, that, it's, it's nutty as nutty it, as it seems. That's that's kind of the way they think. They'd they find a way to do that. Uh, Eric Erickson. Well, we can uh, tell
3: them that we're just, we're, we're aborting drug running and, and that <laughs> may help
0: them do it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Just turn and turn their words back around on them. I love that. Eric, uh, keep up the great work. I really appreciate you coming on. I tell everybody again to go to theresurgent.com. I'm tweeting it out again uh, uh, the link to your uh, your article on this, and, uh, and we certainly appreciate the chance to catch up with you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Eric. Eric Erickson, com is his website. It's a terrific site, and he's got a really great piece saying, look, I was never Trump. I had problems with Trump, and I have overcome them after watching two years of results happen for us, and I am going to be cheerleading and helping his campaign in 2020, I hope. There are thousands and thousands of other never Trumpers who are also never lunatic Democrat uh, Green New Deal supporters, uh, who are going to come out and say, I've got to work hard. I've got to work hard to stop those lunatics from from t- kicking Trump out of office. I've got to support him and Vice President Pence and give them four more years to get more results. I hope that's the case. Your reactions to that are welcome right now. 216 901 or 888 on AM 1420 The Answer. now, the Bob Branson Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Eric Erickson for uh, some insight as to why he went from never-Trump to uh, being a Trump supporter and will not only vote but volunteer for the Trump campaign uh, coming up in this election cycle. A really interesting point he made, though, and i got to tell you, also coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Daniel Horowitz, who we we have not spoken with in a while, Uh, one of my favorite guests. He's with uh, Conservative Review Daniel kind of feels this way too. The president should not declare an emergency and just build with, uh, Pentagon funds. And there's different reasons for that. But one of Eric's was, you know, if the president sets the precedent, the president sets the precedent by declaring an emergency and ordering this wall to be built. What's going to stop the, uh, the, the next Democrat president from following suit since the precedent will have been set and saying we're declaring a climate emergency? And we're going to shutter all the coal plants. We're declaring a climate emergency. And we're going to order every building, like the Green New Deal says, to be retrofitted, to be run only on renewable energy. No more oil, no more natural gas, no more coal, whatever the case might be. That's a problem. Now, Daniel Horowitz is going to tell us a re- there's a different reason why he, opposed. just looking at his Twitter, uh, why he thinks the president should not uh, use the executive um uh, order here and and just declare an emergency and it has nothing to do with precedent it has everything to do with the fact that for the rest of the year this issue is now going to be off the table uh, as soon as it's challenged in court we'll have the fiscal year go by and since things will be funded to, and through september the president will not be able to come back in april or in may or in june and say we need to build this we need money because if the budget is already going to have been set or the spending is already going to have been uh apportioned So we'll talk to Daniel about that coming up at 1010. I think you're going to want to hear it. Jerry in Brexville, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, Jerry.
4: Bob, I hope it's not too late to build that wall. But if it is, I think you ought to take that $1.4 billion and hire more police to to. Get to all these people that have already come over and they're coming over by the bundles I don't know how how many's here, but they're coming over by the bundle
0: a lot and more I than mean, people want to admit by the way, the number that they talk about is eleven eleven million illegals in this country and I th- and I think a lot of uh, different studies have shown that to be about half the actual number
4: and we've waited too damn long already because t- what was it 2016 we had the Republican Congress that could have put that through and then Now uh, the Democrats are fighting us all the way, and I don't know who's going to have a nervous breakdown in this sooner—me or Lou Dobbs? If you ever watch him, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lou Lou gets uh, pretty—I do—he gets pretty—he gets pretty fired up.
4: Oh God, he does. He does, but I think they ought to take that money and, and more policemen. They're not going to build a wall. This is just like a cancer. They come out and they say, hey, we've got a new pill for cancer. It's going to cure it. And everybody gets their hope up and bam, they don't have a new pill to cure.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I do. I do that's like right. this, Jerry. I, I do like your idea, and, and thank you so much for the phone call, your idea of if, if we're if we're not going to take that $14 billion or whatever it is that El Chapo has, and use it to build the wall. Use it in another capacity. In other words, what is what is the what does the left hate, particularly when it comes to this issue? What does is the left hate more than the wall? And the answer is ice. Take fourteen billion dollars and hire fourteen billion dollars more ice agents. And if we've got to station them, you know, shoulder to shoulder across uh, the the freaking uh, uh, southern border, we'll have a human wall. And I know that's not what ICE does. That's Border Patrol. But I'm just pointing it out. Hire $14 billion worth of Border Patrol agents and, and, and ICE agents so that we block the border with human, uh, uh, um, you know, with manpower. And, and then we have another $14 billion worth of ICE agents rooting them out in the populations in the United States. What do you think? Something of that nature. And I know it's not feasible, but, but yes, use the $14 billion in some way to stop the flow of illegal drugs from coming across our southern border. Daniel Horowitz will talk about this with us next. Fresh off of vacation, so I know he's going to be fired up on AM 1420 at the end.